Welcome back to this week's edition of the Acacia Covered Podcast brought to you by Capital Federal. This is Brent Maycock along with my colleagues Mac Moore, Rick Peterson, and Scott Pask. And welcome back to Scott Pask. He missed our season opening podcast two weeks ago, recovering from a minor surgery. Uh, Scott, how are you feeling after after that uh, little bout and surgery that you uh, that you had? Uh, yeah, no, I'm doing doing well. The holdout is over. Uh, I am back, uh, back under contract. And, and, uh, yeah, I had a little, uh, medical scare, uh, last month, something that kind of escalated quickly and turned into, to, uh, heart surgery. And, and, uh, that takes a little time to heal from, but, uh, it's, uh, it's going well and, and, uh, kind of getting my toe back in the water here and, and, uh, uh, appreciate you guys kind of holding up, uh, my end of the deal until I got here. And, and, uh, Apologize to those who follow me here in South Central Kansas. I'm I'm, I'm getting there and uh, promise to to uh, play catch up as fast as I can on, on getting some coverage for some athletics and activities here here in the area. But uh, yeah, feeling a lot better and and uh, uh, getting better every day. So thanks thanks for the welcome back. Well, good to have you back. Not not sitting up in that skybox watching us from from the uh, high above. You're you're back down on the field with us. Uh, no longer, you know, no longer out. And uh, we welcome you back and look forward to seeing what you have to uh, have to provide from South Central Kansas uh, in the coming weeks and months uh, for this season. So always good to have our full team back together. And we're deep into the high school season. And before we touch on some of the happenings of the past couple weeks, sports wise. Uh, we'll go to something that kind of happened off the uh, playing field, but something that will impact what happens on the playing field. At yesterday's Keisha Board of Directors meeting, overwhelmingly passed the addition of or the extension of high school baseball and high school softball seasons uh, to include up to 26 regular season games. In the past, teams have been limited to playing 20 games during the regular season, but uh, this has been a proposal that's been in the works for quite some time. I talked to uh, a couple coaches, Heath Gerstner of McPherson and, and Rick Sabbath, formerly of Olathe West, now of St. Thomas Aquinas, talked to them yesterday. And they both said they could remember this being something that, that people were clamoring for back when they played in the late 90s or started coaching in the state in, in the late 90s. And so it's been something that's that's been on their minds for quite a while. Uh, baseball hasn't seen a change in the number of games played since 1965 is when they went to a 20-game season. And so, you know, here we are almost 60 years later finally expanding. And, and guys, what do you think of this? I know uh, I know a lot of the larger metropolitan areas, Scott and Mac, where you guys cover a lot of your schools, they they are loving this. You know, they their programs where they typically are a lot deeper, have a lot more pitchers that they want to get out there, a lot more players they'd like to see playing time. Um, but then for areas like where Ricky and I are at, you know, maybe some of these some of these programs aren't as excited about it. Where you know they're they're struggling to maybe throw two quality starters out there um, during the season, and now you know they may feel the pressure of having to try to schedule some extra games that that maybe they're not capable of of really putting out a good product. So, you know, it, it's something that there was 90% support from the baseball coaches across the state. So it says that a lot of them were in favor of it. What do you guys think of, of this decision? Yeah. I mean, I think you knew it was coming. I mean, it, after last, uh, the last vote last spring where it, uh, uh, you know, it failed by, by one vote, you just had a feeling this was going to come up again real soon. And, and, uh, 
you know, I think it's, I think it's a great opportunity. It's, as you said, you know, I cover a lot of the Wichita area schools down here. I know there's, you know, your Bishop, Bishop, Bishop Carroll's, your mazes, teams like that. Uh, they've been kind of clamoring for this. Uh, but I think what I kind of noticed, you know, after you reported yesterday, Brent, is, is you kind of see both sides of the store, both, both sides of that card and, and, uh, how, how really one issue it's really tough for Keisha to kind of serve all masters. And, you know, when you got over 300 high schools that you're, that you're taking care of here, uh, you definitely see the other side of the coin uh, when people are, are being a little bit critical of this, but I do think what it does, you get, you go from 20 to 26 and you're, you're opening the door to opportunity, I think. And that's, that's really kind of what these coaches have been seeking. Um, you know, a lot of this, you, as you mentioned, you you compare it to, to our neighboring states and, and Kansas had fewer regular season games than Nebraska, than Missouri, than Iowa. Uh, and so this kind of gets us, gets us on par with them. And, and uh, you know, I think, uh, I think the, the, the collateral stuff I noticed last night, and a lot of the comments on your story, Brent, is that, that other sports are, you know, they're kind of peaking their, uh, you know, their flags are going up now too. And, and they're, I think that, that issue might be, uh, you know, that, that might be, I don't want to say Pandora's box, but because I think what, what these coaches are looking for are opportunities for, for kids to have, you know, more playing opportunities. I know, I, I know there's a lot of frustration, even in the tight window of the high school baseball season where teams are only playing, you know, one double header a week or something like that. They just feel like they're, there's a lot of practice time and not a lot of game time. And I think that's, that maybe is the thing that is that, that, that that's being most rewarded here or most served or best served here. Uh, you're still going to have your uh, there's still going to be the issues of getting the, you know, the proper number of umpires and uh, you know, the official issue is not going to go away, but this is going to, this is going to kind of, you know, bring that more to the forefront too, I think. So there's a lot of, Still some plus and minus to it, but as you said, ninety percent of the coaches were in favor of this, and I think there's there was a really a groundswell of support for this, and and uh, you know at the end of the day, opportunities to play, you know that's just that's a, that's a that's a win-win for kids in my opinion. You know, and Scott mentioned the uh, the neighboring states, and definitely looking at the KC Metro, looking at uh, you know the the six A and five A schools that I cover when they end up going up against the top competitions from baseball and softball teams from Missouri. You know, you get to the middle of the season, and uh, they'll they'll face a team from Missouri that already has put in as many games as the total number allowed uh, in a season for the Kansas teams. And, you know, they're, they're rolling at full steam and, and some of our top teams are still kind of getting going. They've only had, you know, five or six games happening and the, the other team is already in, you know, the full swing of things. So definitely for, for those bigger schools uh, trying to, to face off with the top competition from, from the neighboring states, uh, it'll be very beneficial for them to, to be closer in number. Now, I, I would say long-term, if we end up, if this becomes kind of a avalanche, this kind of snowball effect of we're going to get up to those 30, Five forty games that you see in some of these states, I think that might be too many. When you you think about kind of the 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 focus that we have for the academics along with the athletics, 
it, it seems like at that point that, you know, I, some of these teams, they just seem to be going out to a different tournament every week, a different game every day. And you're like, I, I, I have no idea how kids would be able to balance uh, both what they have to do for their baseball, softball teams and be able to, to do the, the homework and the, the schoolwork that they have. And it, it, it would start to get a little out of hand. I think 26 uh, is a, pretty good number uh i have no doubt that we'll probably see some push for it to go up a little bit higher in future years but i i think probably 30 is about where it, you start getting a little too too much of uh of the games kind of taking over a, a player's life and uh, i i know the players still wanted the coaches still wanted uh, a lot of the time uh but i think overall it'd probably be better to, to to keep it there and i think the the 26 is probably a good mark right now uh to give them more games but not to get too far uh, down that road. And to touch on your point, Bryn, about how some of the rural schools feel about this, I think the good thing is it's not required. I mean, it's a max up to 26 games, but it's not required. So um, if some of these smaller schools can't find the games, I mean, they're, they're not penalized. But like you touched on in your story, Brent, I mean, sometimes you look at those sub-state records, those uh, regional records, you know, teams maybe only play 17 games or 16 games. Maybe they get a rain out or something. So, I mean, this just gives them an opportunity to, to fill out their to fill out their schedule, you know, if they if they do have some rain outs and, and stuff like that and just. Uh, you know, another opportunity for for a kid to get looked at by colleges. So I think I think from what I've seen, the the overall um, the overall reaction is is pretty positive positive to this from from uh, you know mainly the entire state. Yeah, I agree. And I think another cool thing is it'll it allows some of these these programs that are in these bigger leagues to maybe dip outside their league and, and and take on some tournaments. You know, Sunflower League has so many teams in it, and they right now they only play single games, I believe, against each other. Some of them might double up and, you know, like Lawrence in a free state, hey, we might do a home and home and do and do it that way. But, you know, some of these some of these programs in these big leagues, now that gives them some flexibility to, hey, we're we're in the Sunflower League, but we want to go play some of these teams over in the EKL or we want to maybe go down to Wichita. I was with the OAFO um, the Olathe West AD Jay Novacek was there and he said you know Garden City was one of the big pushers of, of doing this and he said hey if Garden City wants to hold a tournament out there well I'll commit to going out to his tournament right now because they they were a part of making this happen and and that was the, I think the nice thing you saw from the board of directors yesterday is maybe it didn't serve the best interests of every league in the state and, and all the schools in the state but they didn't hold back progress for the the programs and the leagues that it does serve very well. So um, when you have when you have the different leagues and different classifications looking out for the greater good of the state rather than what what's best serves us and go with those more selfish um, intentions, then I think that's good for progress for anything that gets brought up before the board of directors. When when you're looking at things that can benefit the student athletes in the state. Um, for participation, for com- team, team, teamwork, camaraderie, all those, all the positives that you find with these extracurricular activities. So, uh, kudos to the board of directors for passing it for both baseball and softball. I know baseball had a lot of the focus because they're the ones that were really driving this, but it was the addition of softball as well that really got this passed when they when they were voted down last April. One of the biggest feedbacks they got from the from the board members was 
well, if softball had been a part of this, we probably would have voted for it as, as to go ahead and go with it. So adding softball to the mix really pushed this thing through. And, uh, you know, softball players, you know, they – you, you see a lot of their pitchers will work both games up a doubleheader. So, uh, you know, softball, a little less concerning about arm arm stuff as you have with baseball, which has pitch counts. But um, I think it's it's a great opportunity. And, yeah, we might see it extend to, out to basketball and, and maybe some other sports. I know, uh, you know, one of the examples that Pat Butler put out for the Olathe West, uh, the Olathe West AD uh, put out there yesterday was that, um, you know, baseball was playing roughly 40% of the games that the collegiate level plays at the same, whereas volleyball is closer to 80, uh, basketball is around 67%. You know, so some of these other sports are a little bit closer to being on par of what they play at the collegiate level. And so, um, you know, some of them may not look to really expand much because they've already expanded to out to where they need to be. I know basketball, there was a lot of comments about basketball. And so what the Basketball Coaches Association needs to do is do what the baseball uh, coaches did and really rally their troops and, and really put together a good proposal that makes sense and put it forward through the uh, to, to the board of directors. I mean, that's how this got done. This, this wasn't just an overnight thing, hey, let's just randomly pick baseball and softball and expand their seasons. It's something that, that the Kansas Association of Baseball Coaches has been working on for years and years and years to try to make happen. And, you know, every time they met with a little bit of rejection, they went back to the drawing board and figured out a, a different plan to make it work. And so it, 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 it's something that, you know, the Coaches Association is going to have to take on themselves and put forward and, and make it something that uh, that – that the board can vote on. So um, I think we'll see something in, at some point. I think it's it's the start of something, but and that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing anytime you get these kids more more opportunities to to play their activities. So um, so that was a a fun thing yesterday. A big thing across the state. A lot of reaction, like I said, on Twitter to uh, to the decision. A lot of people. A lot of people excited about it. A lot of people, you know, raising the concerns about, well, we're already in a shortage of umpires. What is that going to mean? Um, you know, my team, we only have two quality pitchers as it is. What are we going to do? But I think it's something that, that's going to benefit a lot of programs in the state. And so we look forward to seeing that effective this spring. They, they can start scheduling additional games now. Uh, that was one of the thoughts maybe going in is they might table it until next year. But it is effective immediately. So this spring you'll we'll see – uh, an increased uh, baseball and softball schedule for the, probably your program that you are rooting for and interested in. So a lot more opportunities this spring for those sports. Turning our attention to fall sports, uh, you know, we're deep into the season. Uh, golf and tennis are actually getting close to about halfway done. Uh, their state tournaments will be, are just over a month away. And, you um, so we're about halfway done with there where there's been some good good action so far. And we're, what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of uh, touch touch on some some different sports around each each section. And then uh, we'll f- f- finalize this with a uh, look at uh, the first two weeks of the high school football season and look ahead to the, to the next couple weeks. And so we'll go ahead and start uh, out west with Ricky, um, you know, in the sports. I know Dodge City uh, soccer. Uh, always a powerhouse. They're off to a good start out there. You've had some other other strong uh, beginnings and some other sports. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on out in Western Kansas. 
Yeah, I'm going to run out and see Dodge City uh, today against Hayes. Uh, they got a huge tournament win at Aquinas. Uh, they beat Aquinas, and any time you beat Aquinas, obviously that's a huge feat for anybody. I mean, they're they're kind of the gold standard as a program. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they just got a lot of firepower. Um, they returned Aaron Martinez, Angel Lopez, David Garcia, and then they just seem like they're, they're solid all around. Uh, you know, it's been it's been fun to see kind of a Western Kansas program prove that they belong in the top echelon in soccer, and they and Dodge City does that year in and year out. So I'll be excited to see them today and see what they can um, they can end up doing this season. Um, you know, it's kind of touching on some of the other sports. Uh, you know, I went out to cross country a couple of weeks ago at at TMP Marion. I uh, was really impressed with a runner, a freshman runner uh, named Madison Howland from Smith Center. Uh, she went she went out and ran in 1920, for, which I thought for her first high school race was was pretty impressive. Um, so I'll be you know interested to see what she does for the for the rest of her freshman campaign. Um, Quinter, when you talk about teams, Quinter. Uh, I wrote about them last year. I mean, it, it's impressive that they're such a small school has uh, been able to generate the kind of depth they have on, on both sides of the program. Um, so it'll be, I'll be excited to kind of see what, what they're able to do again as a team. Um, and golf, uh, Anna Starbuck for Colby, obviously she's been right there um, in each of her three years at the state tournament. Um, she won it as a freshman, uh, finished runner-up, I believe, is a sophomore in third place last year. She's off to a really good start. I saw she won her tournament the other day. Um, I've already written about Hayes and, and their depth. Uh, Abby Norris and J.C. Oakley, they they uh, shared top medalist honors at the Liberal Inv Invitational. Um, then, uh, you, could, you know, just kind of moving on to the other sports. Uh, and volleyball, uh, there's been there's been a few surprises. I noticed, uh, you know, Greeley County uh, down in one A Division two. They've they've entered the year and uh, entered this week undefeated. Uh, um, South Gray's off to a good start. Smith Center, uh, you know, last year their coach uh, Nick Lynn had a scare in basketball. He had to have heart surgery, and he had to step away from basketball. Uh, fortunately, he's back, and he's gotten the Lady Red, and they're they're off to an undefeated start. Um, Ellenwood was a team that they beat in a really in a really good uh, sub-state final last year. And Ellenwood's, um, I think, they entered the week eleven and three, and they've got a really talented group too. Uh, Wheatland Grinnell always seems like Shannon Foster always has them in contention. Um, and they have a really good player in Caroline Schroeder, so they'll be a team to watch for. But just uh, there's just a lot of I feel like there's a lot of really good small school teams out in, out in Western Kansas that that might be able to to kind of make some noise there, make some noise there at state. Um, let's see. I think I think I think that's about all I got out from from this from this uh, way. I'll throw it over to you guys for something. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been monitoring the South Central Kansas scene from afar a little bit. Haven't been able to make it out too much, but uh, you know, there's just been uh, uh, a little something in every every sport that seems to catch my eye. And, and you know, we've talked about Clay Shively, the outstanding Wichita Trinity uh, track and cross country runner, and all the the great things he did. And and I know uh, 
Matt got to see him uh, run up at the Olathe Twilight Meet, and and uh, you know that that track tends to be a pretty fast 5K. Well, that that's an understatement. I mean, when when they run there, times you know they go low, and, and Clay ran. Fourteen forty-two sixty at the at the old Lake of Twilight meet and and believed to be the fastest five k time in Kansas high school history, the fastest time in the nation this season. Uh, you know that that you know he's a Northern Arizona commit and and uh, just keeps doing outstanding things. He's you know when you're talking about a kid who's who's broken Jim Ryan's records, you, you know you're dealing with some with an all timer here and and he just keeps kind of rising to the occasion in these big moments and and. Uh, you know that, so I think that's been the the, the boys' cross country story from from the South Central Kansas area here. Is just the uh, you know Clay's already kind of thrown the gauntlet down for for this year, and you know his teammate Sam Ferguson ran 15 minutes at that at that meet as well, and and uh, you know that's that's a that's a top 20 all time time in Kansas too. So uh, you know just an outstanding team at Trinity, and and uh, you know they come in as the defending champions in 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 their class this year, and and I. I would expect them to, to, you know, be in the hunt at the, at the very end of this on the, on the girl side, you know, we've talked a lot about Salina central junior, Caitlin Roop, uh, clear throughout her career. And she decided to focus on a cross country exclusively this year and, and uh, got her season started with a win at the great bend invitational. And I think what's uh, kind of interesting about Salina central now with Roop, of course, you know, runs lightning fast times, but now she's got a freshman teammate uh, in her first year on, on the team and Kaylee Schultz, who's, who, who has run some great times, broke a lot of, uh, of Caitlin's middle school records in, in track. And, and uh, so I think, you know, there, there's a solid one-two punch at Salina Central Bruin on the girls' side. And then, uh, you know, Remington's girls, you know, played second fiddle to Stanton County at the state cross-country meet uh, last year, but they're currently ranked number one in the early season poll. And they had a couple of returning state medalists in Chelsea Willer and, and Ava Clausen, and those two are – have led Remington off to a good start this season. Uh, um, you know, in the early uh, the early season poll for for boys and girls, Remington's ranked number one in two A, then Trinity, uh, which Wichita Trinity's ranked number one in three A. So those are those are kind of two of the top cross country stories down here in the Wichita area. Uh, you jump over to boys soccer, and and really it kind of starts with May South. They're you know they're coming off the twenty one and zero season. Uh, winning the 5A championship, and and that winning streak has continued. They're six and zero. Preparing for their seventh game of the season here on this day that we're taping this, uh, they'll host Great Bend and and uh, you know they're outstanding. Uh, uh, you know their player of the year, Vidor Jeremel, has been racking up hat tricks and and uh, you know just scoring at will. And and uh, you know they did have one test. They 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 had to hold off Bishop Carroll one nothing in the semifinals of their own tournament. Uh, uh, so they they have been pushed, but they've they've kind of. Uh, you know, as good as they are offensively, they're also a very good defensive team, and and that's that saved them on that particular day. Uh, just an outstanding team, and and uh, uh, you know, I think the Mavericks are are obviously you know with Jeremel, who's who's going to Clemson to play uh, collegiately. You know, they've got a, a superstar there, and and are on another uh, you know fast track here in Class Five A. Uh, volleyball, yeah, volleyball has been kind of more of a Cinderella story down here, I think, and. And uh, we're looking at Clearwater in in foray, and uh, they're ten and one with their lone loss to Andover Central, but they've also defeated Central and and uh, but and also owned victories over uh, Andale, which you know lost nine seniors off their team last year, and 
and are, are rebuilding a little bit, but still a really good program. And then on Tuesday night, Clearwater beat Circle, uh, who's been right up there in, in the Class 4A uh, title chase the last couple of years. And and junior Kenzie McCarter is a big part of what's uh, what's made Clearwater go. That's kind of been the team that's caught my eye here uh, early on, in addition to May South, which has three Division One. Uh, uh, you know, commits on their on on their volleyball team, and then also added uh, Eureka transfer Ashley Singate this year. Uh, so, you know, May look May South has had a hard time kind of at state cracking cracking through at five A, but they certainly are loaded for bear with a, with an outstanding roster this year. Uh, so those are kind of two of the top teams in in the Wichita area for volleyball. Uh, you know, as far as girls golf, I've, it's, it seems like there's just always a freshman that's popping on the scene down here in Wichita who's, who's doing big things. And, and this year it's a Newton freshman, Naomi Koontz. Uh, you know, she, she came out and won the Derby Invitational in her first meet and then backed it up with a, with a victory at the Salina Central Invitational, shooting a 70 there. So uh, I, I'm just always, always amazed at the, the level of, of talent, particularly on the girls' side with, with young players that, uh, you know, they they've arrived they arrive at the high school level polished and ready to go and ready to ready to win and and uh, seems like we just keep adding uh you know new talent to to that uh ledger every time and and Koontz is certainly kind of with her start here two first place and a second in her first three tournaments uh she's showing signs of, of being that next really uh young rising star down here on on the on the links here in the Wichita area uh, and then you've got some really good returnees, uh, Andover's Reagan Dusenberry, uh, which took leads Margaret Ulrich, who's won the last two uh, state titles in in uh, the 3-2-1-A tournament. They both shot 72 at the Andover Invitational. So a lot of, you know, a lot of good boys players down here in the spring, but also a lot of, a lot of good girls uh, golfers here uh, in the fall. Looking over here in eastern Kansas uh, and southeast Kansas, uh, just starting with volleyball, uh, Blue Valley North has just been on a tear to start the year, which is no surprise to anyone, but 13 and zero so far, uh, and that's heading into uh triangular, uh, on September 19th, uh, where they will face, uh, Aquinas and, uh, St. James Academy. So that will be a pretty, uh, great evening of volleyball, uh, with Aquinas also being undefeated, albeit with the lighter schedule, and St. James Academy is eleven and two. Both of their losses were to out-of-state competition. Uh, but you know, you know, looking at Blue Valley North, what might be the scariest part is they're playing this well. Uh, but you look at their roster, and really, uh, Janelle Green is the only senior uh, on the team that's uh, doing major work for them. Uh, it's just a long list of juniors and sophomores uh, that includes uh, Logan Parks, who is just uh, you know this outstanding player. Is uh, by the you know next time they take the court, I think it'll be three seconds in, and she'll probably uh, have passed the hundred kills mark for this season because she's already at ninety nine right now uh, through twenty four sets. And uh, you know you add in uh, Aubrey Shaw and uh, Jenna McClure, and 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 this team is just absolutely loaded. Uh, so it'll be very uh, interesting to 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 see how that goes uh, for them going up against uh, the you know two of the top uh you know teams in in 5a with with Aquinas and, and St. James but 
Uh, just to you know, point out a few other teams that are off to some pretty good starts. Spring Hill out in the Frontier League is uh, nine and two. Their only losses were to bigger class competition uh, with Olathe West, and then uh, the only one that was five A was uh, losing to Lansing. Um, Independence is eleven and two. Uh, Frontenac uh, nine and two. Uh, with with uh, and then Jayhawk Lynn uh, right now is eleven and two losses to to Parsons and Humboldt so uh, pretty good resumes for that that group there uh, moving on over to to golf uh, it'll be I don't have too many highlights right now because uh, the uh, EKL first leg was supposed to be Monday that got moved out to. To today uh today's also the first leg of the sunflower league so a lot of the top golfers uh had some some early season uh you know outings but this is really where it's going to kick into high gear so it'll be interesting to see what those scores look like uh at the end of today but uh one that did uh stand out Olathe east uh was out at the turner invitational and Jenny's son hit a 70, uh, and then her teammate, uh, Addie McKenna, uh, was not too far behind with a 74, uh, and, you know, those are great scores, uh, you know, at this point, there hasn't been, uh, too many of the golfers in my area that have, have gotten that range, uh, we talked about on the last podcast that Shawnee Mission East, uh, Ella Slicker, who had, uh, pretty much every outing was a 71 last year. Uh, she's been in the mid seventies and finally got her season low of a 74 out in a duel against Washburn rural. Uh, so, you know, again, fingers crossed by the end of the day, that might end up changing, but uh, a couple elite, the uh, East golfers are right there with the top competition in the state. Uh, so that was a good one to point out. And I think, you know, by the time we get back here in two weeks, I'll just have a long list of, of golfers that are starting to, uh, get those scores down into those low seventies. Uh, looking over at tennis, we mentioned how, uh, you know, half the season has gone, but also just kind of with the way it's structured and with some of the top tennis players, uh, really not getting started till after labor day. Uh, you know, not as many of the, the, uh, top action. We'll have some uh, tournaments in the next couple weeks, such as the uh, Plaza Invitational. Always uh, puts the, the the top tennis players from from six A, five A, and then ones across on the Missouri side as well uh, into a pretty good one. So uh, once we get to that, we'll have a better idea. Although even with uh, very little outings from the top players on Shawnee Mission East, uh, at, at this point you know, just a couple matches between the uh, four players that were on that varsity team last year that, that won the state title. Uh, but collectively, their team is 134 and 11 so far this season. And that's, again, without the top players getting a bunch of games in early. Uh, 36 players with a victory, 35 with winning records. So when you talk about depth, that Shawnee Mission – East team has crazy depth year in and year out. So uh, right now, those top players undefeated, you're still going to keep your eye on on uh, Abigail Long and, and uh, Katie Schmidt as uh, the top doubles team now that uh, their teammates Steck Schulte and, and, and Langford have graduated. So uh, 
that hasn't changed, but looking at a few of the others, uh, Baldwin Invitational uh, was just yesterday. Uh, DeSoto got the, the team win, uh, but a uh, couple teams from my area took second, uh, third, and then another one got fourth. Uh, Independence took second, Bonner Springs took third, and uh, Chanute finished out in fourth. And, uh, you know, so far this year, it, it's looking like that Independence team uh, is going to be able to. to, to really compete once again uh they took second place at an arc city tournament a few weeks ago uh you know when you have returners like ava morris you have uh the kippenberger sisters uh who ended up taking first in doubles at that baldwin invitational uh you you got some uh really really good talent there and i'll expect that to be a, a team that keeps uh making some noise throughout this tennis season um Looking over at uh, soccer, uh, I did a story recently on Blue Valley West being a team that, uh, you know, we, we were talking about trying to get in a bunch of games, you know, the, the structure of the season with, with these different sports and how that might be changing over the next few years. But uh, with Blue Valley West, they front-loaded their schedule, unlike I've seen most teams do, and that's on a year where it was very hot. Uh, at the start of this soccer season. Uh, but Blue Valley West went out there and found a way to to play seven games over 14 days and still went 5-1-1. One, and one. Uh, Ended up winning their own Fat Cat tournament, beating out Shawnee Mission uh, West. Uh, got bounced in the semifinals of the KMO tournament by uh, Shawnee Mission East, which is you know obviously another really good soccer team for my area. But uh, seeing the Jaguars and what they were able to do in that time and, and, and just seeing that uh, under coach Kyle Conley, who's in his second year with the Jaguars after uh, previously coaching at Lewisburg, he's got these kids in peak condition right now. Uh, they didn't seem to have any issues with playing a hundred percent, even on, on, on games where, you know, it was a hundred degrees out, uh, that did not slow them down one bit and just seeing the progress they made, the results they got from that section. Yeah. They end up taking a loss there to Shawnee mission East, uh, late in that stretch, but, uh, definitely will be, uh, a team to watch, uh, as we get moving here in the, in the soccer season. And then, uh, you know, obviously I mentioned, uh, Shawnee Mission East, but a couple other teams with some good records early. Blue Valley North, uh, 4-1-0 uh, in the early going. Uh, Mill Valley hasn't had many games, but they were undefeated. Uh, I haven't checked the scores, so unless they lost on uh, Tuesday, uh, still undefeated right now at the moment. Uh, Aletha West is another one with uh, started out 3-0 before uh, a surprise loss to Shawnee Mission Northwest, but you can expect that to be a, a top contender this year. Uh, Miege started with a, a loss to Blue Valley Southwest, but, uh, you know, it, after that won the next four matches with a 17 to two margin. And I think we know the Miege story, even when they can pick up a couple losses in that tough EKL, uh, expect that to, to be the front runner for, uh, for one, a soccer this year. And then, uh, Baldwin with the five, uh, one and O start. So, uh, a lot of really good teams uh, in my area. A lot of good soccer action uh, in the in the early going, and then to get to cross country, which Scott already uh, mentioned, one of the big ones of uh, when I went up to Olathe Twilight Invitational, uh, you saw uh, Clay 
Shively end up uh, setting that that new mark uh, with that time. Uh, some faster times in the boys' races than the girls' races. It was still hot when the uh, girls' races got going. So uh, not the, the quickest times, but uh, Anjali Hawker Singh of Olathe North uh, still was able to post a 1741.2, uh, uh, which is, you know, good, good. But for her, I know she's never happy with it. And, and considering the injuries she's had over the last few years, she's just happy that she's going into this season and the two stress fractures that she's, uh, you know, basically wiped out her last two track seasons. Uh, she, she feels like is, is in the rear view at this point. Uh, and she's finally getting back to that point where she can start running those top times that we, we saw her run her freshman and most of her sophomore seasons in cross country. Uh, of course, uh, competition has, has never been tougher uh, across the state because uh, I know there's a, a girl from uh, Seaman that uh, uh, has a, a faster time than her on the, the sheets this year, a sophomore uh, in, in Ryan Miller. So uh, Scott mentioned, uh, Caitlin Roop is a uh, focusing on it and her top time this year is not too far back of, of Angelis there. So, uh, should be uh, some tough competition on the girls side. And then, uh, Olathe West is always the story from the team perspective. Uh, I still don't understand looking at the final results. Uh, this is the best, some of the best competition for cross country, uh, in the state. They bring in competition from, from other States as well. Uh, they won the team race by, over 100 points uh i still yeah I, I don't understand this is a year after their top runner from last fall karis robinson graduated they graduated uh another top runner in in, in page baker but uh you know i talked about the depth for uh you know uh, shawnee mission east tennis well Olathe West Coast Country has that same depth every time you think well maybe they might take a little step back with somebody no uh, it's only step forward for for this team, and they are in the position where you have to wonder: Are they going to be more dominant than they were a season ago? And they were dominant last season. So uh, their top runner, Bree Newport, she had the goal of hitting 18 minutes. She got 1759 uh, in that race. So uh, they they call the shots. Last year, I know I, I think it was Karis Robinson in the 800. She told her coach before it happened. I'm going to hit that record. I'm going to get that number. And she hit it. Uh, Brie Newport comes into this year and says, I'm going to hit this number. She hits it. Uh, the Olathe West uh, girls long distance runners, they call their shots. They hit it. So uh, expect another great season uh, out of Olathe West this year. Uh, on the, the boys side, uh, Micah uh, Blomker uh, ended up finishing third and, you can almost see it in his face that if he finishes second, he finishes third, which is uh, he's had to, to have happen in a few of the big races over the last couple of years. He, he's not very happy despite him having amazing times finished uh, in, in, in uh, just a few seconds back of, of Shively's all time record. So he's putting himself right up there uh, in, in these top times all time in the state. And, you know, he's still wanting more, wanting to push further. Uh, so it, it'll be very interesting to see him chasing Shively, although uh, as opposed to last year where he had to chase Wyatt Houghton and end up finishing second, 
I'm not sure there's another 6A boys runner uh, at this point who, who's looking like they're going to get in his way of another state title. That's would be his second after also having two runner-up finishes over three years. So uh, Michael Blomker, one to watch. And then if there is one that might get himself into that conversation, uh, it's Parker uh, Whaleon from Gardner Edgerton. Uh, he's got himself in a very similar position uh was was not too far back in that race as well i think he finished seventh with a, his new pr uh of, of 1503 he got gardner edgerton to be the, the top finisher uh in the in the state of kansas there was three missouri teams that ended up uh finishing at the top of that boys race at the, the twilight but gardner edgerton has themselves right there uh in the hunt they will be, definitely be a, a team to watch and parker Leon will be a, a runner who could potentially get himself uh either in that uh top spot trying to fight that away from Blomker definitely going to be a top finisher uh, at this year's state race so uh those are the the top ones for cross country and the the top uh uh, standouts uh, for all the sports other than football in my area so far. Yeah, I'll stick on the uh, on the cross country beat and uh, turn my attention to North Central Kansas here where I'm at and and Mac touched on Ryan Miller a seaman. Yeah, she's she's off to a, a great start this year. Uh, she broke the school record she set last year at at a uh, at the Joe Shrog Invitational this year. And when she ran it, she ran a 17.41.04, which is the best time in the state this year. It's uh, just a .16 seconds ahead of, of Hawker Singh from Latham North and just a little bit ahead of Caitlin Roop of Salina Central. So Ryan Miller throwing her name into the, into the hat as a potential top contender in Class 5A this year. Uh, you know, I think she finished, finished fifth last year as a freshman. This year already under 18 minutes, which anytime – you're under 18 minutes. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good time. Uh, she actually lost her first race of the year, though. Uh, she finished second to Junction City's Lorna Ray Pierce at the Manhattan Invitational, and uh, Pierce is off to a really good start. She won both Manhattan and Emporia races, so she's uh, she's undefeated to start the season. And uh, Manhattan boy um, Lucas Holdren did the same thing. He uh, he won the Ma Manhattan Invitational and then won the Emporia Invitational. Last year, he was mostly JV for, for Manhattan for a bulk of the season. Stepped up to varsity this year and, uh, and has already got a couple wins under his belt. And then I went to the Wamigo Invitational last weekend, which always brings in some high-quality competition, 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A type runners. And by far the most impressive performance there was Northern Heights freshman Ellie McCrory who absolutely laid waste to the, th the field in the 3-2-1A race. Uh, she ran a time of 1850 or 1849.05 to win by more than, more than a minute um, in that race. And just a freshman. And that time last year, this is where 2A has its state, state meet, that would have put her second behind Chesney Peterson. Well, Chesney's gone, so... Uh, we're looking at uh, everybody came in the year thinking maybe Wabunsi's Peyton Wirtz, who's runner-up to Chesney the last couple years, might be the runner to beat in 2A this year. But uh, McCrory comes out with a strong one. I know Ricky said that uh, Smith Center freshman Madison Howland, she's a freshman in 2A. There's a couple really good freshmen ready to kind of go in in 2A and say, hey, uh, we're, we're here and we're going to be somebody to contend with. And McCrory's run was very impressive at Wamigo. We'll see 
Typically, times are a little slower later on in the season than they are at the start of the season at Wamiga, so we'll see if she can duplicate that performance. But if she can, it's going to take something pretty special from somebody else in Class 2A to, to knock her off and, and, and win the state title. Also at, uh, at Wamigo, the boys' 3-2-1A race was won by Nemaha Central's John Langle, who kind of hung back in the pack at the start of the race and then really pulled away over the last half of the race. He wins it in a, in a really good time. Um, a 16.21.77 wins it by about nine seconds over a kid from the Smoky Valley Home Educators. But the big thing for Langill is he finally beat Marysville Silas Miller. Uh, they've they've raced each other for four years. Uh, both of them are seniors, and and they've seen each other for four years. And Langill had never beat him before, and then he finally got him at that race on on last Saturday. So a big win for Nemaha Central's John Langill in the 4A race there. Um, as they typically do, Southeast Celine always steps up to run in the 4A race just for the competition uh, standpoint. Uh, Southeast Celine, one of the top programs in 3A year in and year out, battle Wichita Trinity on a yearly basis to see who's, uh, who's going to be the king in 3A. And, and they go out and, and uh, their top runner, kind of battling, uh, battling some injury. It's his first race of the year, uh, Levi Allen. So he kind of finishes a little bit back in the pack, but the brothers, Braden and Caden Walker, uh, they go 1-2 in the race to lead Southeast Saline in that race. And a very, very strong start for Southeast Saline. Uh, four, they had four runners, all finished pretty high. Uh, they're going to be a team that if Trinity has an off day, Southeast Saline is going to be right there to, uh, to step in and, and snatch that title back after Trinity beat them the last two years. And in the girls' 4A race, uh, Hannah Keltner of Eudora. No surprise there. She's she's run well at, at Wamigo over the years. A couple top five state finishes as a freshman and sophomore. But she really uh, said that, and in talking to her, she said, Wamigo's not really my vibe. The hills, I just, you know, just don't, uh, they don't click with her running style. But uh, but after after she ran that race uh, the other day, she, she said, the vibe's immaculate. It's amazing. So she uh, had her best time by far, cut, cut over a minute off, off her previous best at Wamigo, and, uh, and really had a, had a great race in, in, uh, in running away with that title. Uh, she, she beat uh, Clay Center's Lauren Smith. Who was who was runner up in the, in that race and uh, and Keltner is somebody that with you know with Haley Trotter no longer at Clearwater she's now at Nebraska she was the winner of 4A State the last two years uh, Keltner and her teammate Sydney Owens who was a little bit under the weather on Saturday and finished a little bit further back in the top ten but those two are going to be right there in the hunt for the for the title this year and Keltner went out and, and showed that she's somebody that definitely going to have to take seriously. For the uh, for the 4A state title this year individually, Eudora, um, you know, two-time de- defending state champion as a team, uh, they're going to be obviously a strong team to contend with there as well. Uh, looking at some of my others, uh, Jackson Escobell from Shawnee Heights broke the te- broke his school record uh, at the at the Joe Shrog Invitational as well. Um, he he uh, he was a top finisher, top five finisher at state last year. Uh, was a state champion in track last spring, and he, he's off to a good start this year. Um, Southeast Saline girls dominated the Abilene Invitational going 1-2-3, led by Abby Comerford. Uh, Prairie View's Bree Allen, last year's 3A state champion, off to a, a win already to start this season. And then uh, Oskaloosa girls, they had a strong year last year getting a full team. They're off to a good start this year winning the Mission Valley Invitational. So those are some of the cross-country highlights from the first couple weeks. Turning attention to volleyball, um, shout out to Nemaha Central's Jessica Koch, who wins her 700th career match 
the previous week. I wrote about her last week, and then this week, Neemaw Central, this past weekend, they win their home tournament. So Neemaw Central off to another big start to their season. Runner-up in Class 3A last year. They've got one loss this year. Uh, they lost to uh, Silver Lake early in the season at the Marysville tournament in the championship there, but they've bounced back and, and uh, haven't lost since. And, and so Nemaha Central off to a strong start. Beloit won the Southeast Saline Invitational, knocked off Circle in the championship match there to win that title. Beloit's Miley Brown gets her 1,000th career kill uh, earlier in the season at the Hayes Invitational. And so she's over 1,000. Teammate Addison Budkey, well over 1,000. She's got 200 and some kills already this season. So well on her way to closing in on that 2,000 career kill mark um, for Beloit, which uh, was a state qualifier in 3A last year. Little River, the defending 1A Division I state champions. They're 12-0 already this year. Won the Center Invitational last weekend. Lebo, the defending Division 1A Division II state champions. They're undefeated so far and won the Linden Invitational uh, this, this past weekend. Caraparavel um, won the Frankfurt Invitational. Clifton Clyde won the Northern Plains Twin Valley League Challenge. I did a feature story on Clifton Clyde trying to trying to gain some footing in the Twin Valley League, which is never easy. But they beat Hanover in that tournament, and that's something they hadn't done in a few years. And Hanover's undefeated in regular season league play in the Twin Valley. And, and that league's just so tough. Uh, Clifton Clyde goes out and wins that tournament, beating Hanover. The next night in league play, they go one and two, and that just speaks to how deep the uh, the uh, Twin Valley League is. Uh, Emporia is off to a really good start. They're thirteen and one this season. Uh, they just won the title at the Valley Center Invitational this past weekend. Beat Andale and Valley Center down at that tournament. So a couple really quality wins for the Spartans there. And then Siemens Taylor Stahlbomber got her one thousandth career assist uh, on Tuesday night in a triangular. And Siemens off to a really good start. They're eleven and two, uh, split with. Split with Lansing this week and also lost to Olathe West in the semifinals of the Lansing tournament last weekend. So those are some volleyball standouts. Golf, I had a chance to go out to the Great Plains Washburn Rural Classic at Wamigo last week and saw, you know, always some really good competition there. Washburn Rural comes there. Shawnee Mission East, uh, Mill Valley, some other teams from the Kansas City area. Uh, Olathe Northwest, Olathe West were both there. So some of the top teams in Class 6A were there. And the team that wins the tournament is is Manhattan, and I wrote about them a little bit last week. Uh, they go out and, uh, you know, they had kind of shown well in their first couple tournaments and hung right in there with Olathe Northwest, uh, which is the defending 6A champion, and, and right there with Shawnee Mission East, which has the defending individual champion and Ella Slicker. And Manhattan, uh, you know, they're they're young. They don't. I think they have one senior that sometimes plays on varsity, sometimes doesn't. But other than that, they're all underclassmen. But uh, they're really really playing well this year. And they they came out and, and they win the uh, Wamigo Invitational, uh, beating Washburn Rural, who takes second. So a good day by Washburn Rural as well. Uh, you look at Olathe Northwest and Shawnee Mission East to finish a little bit back in the pack. Northwest was third, Shawnee Mission East fourth, and Olathe West fifth. But Manhattan scores a third, 332 to beat Rural by three shots, and Olathe Northwest had a 349. And then also at that tournament, Wamigo was there. They're the two-time reigning 
for a state champion. And they didn't fare as well as a team, but individually, Addison Douglas, who was last year's 4A state champion as a freshman, she goes out and wins that tournament. That was one of the tournaments she she really didn't play well last year. And I don't, you know, playing up against against 6A competition, some of the best competition in the state. She she just really didn't didn't shoot well. Shot an 83 last year. Well, this year she goes out and shoots a 73. And wins the uh, wins the tournament by five shots over over Slicker. So uh, great uh, great start for Wamigo's Addison Douglas, and and Wamigo comes back and and wins the Hayden Invitational this past week. And Douglas doesn't win. Surprisingly, it was her teammate Sarah Springer that goes out and and shoots a, a low round and and beats Douglas. So. Guamigo showing they still got a one-two punch to kind of lead them in their pursuit for a third straight uh, state title in in golf. And so those are some of the the top highlights from golf from my area. Uh, Looking at soccer, Washburn Rural, no surprise, they're out to an undefeated start. Uh, They're 5-0 with some quality wins on on their resume so far. Uh, They beat Capon to start the season 7-2. They beat Wichita Northwest 6-0. Uh, DeSoto two nothing. They've given up three goals so far in five games. Uh, they got a, a good stretch coming up where they got Hayden tonight and then Emporia and Manhattan next week, and then they they go play in a tournament out of state that always really is a good test for them. So Washburn Rural off to a good start. Kansas City Piper also off to a a solid start. The the Pirates are are three and one with their only loss to Blue Valley North, a, you know a six A school. So a very strong start. They beat Hayden five to nothing. Beat Baser twelve to two. So. Piper, uh, you know, their girls' team had a really good year last spring. Their boys' team following up this fall with a good season. So those are a couple of the uh, of my area soccer teams off to good start. Tennis, uh, defending 4A state champion, doubles champions, uh, Lawrence Anstrom and Emily Sheets. They're 14-1. and one. They lost at the uh, collegiate tournament in the opener uh, to the, the collegiate duo of Conrad and Herman, but they've won everything since. So they're off to a really a really strong start and then uh Siemens team off to a, a solid start uh Kate Kate Crummins is 12 and 1 as a doubles player she's played with both Kate Eckert and Molly Gorman this year um in in doubles play she's 4 and 0 with Gorman and then uh her and her and Eckert are are 8 and 1 and then a freshman Emma Sweeney her sister uh Lauren was the state runner up in class 5A last year Emma's come in as a freshman this year and she's 12-2 and two to start the season. Uh, her losses have come to um, Jensen Gibbs from Blue Valley Southwest, who was a placer last year in 5A, and then a, a, tran- a foreign exchange student from Germany. And I don't even know if I can uh, attempt to attempt this name. It's, uh, it's, it's a little tough, but uh, we'll, we'll give it a shot here. Hang on just a second. Uh, we'll see what her name is here. Jetta Glasanapo is her name. And so uh, she's off to a really good start for Shawnee Heights, uh, an impact performer for Shawnee Heights. Uh, she just won the Topeka High Invitational here this week. But uh, Jetta is uh, is going to be somebody to maybe keep an eye on in, in uh, 5A state tennis this year. I'll, I'll try to get out and maybe, uh, maybe bone up on my German a little bit, get a little bit better pronunciation of her name for next time. So uh, I do have some German in my blood, so maybe I can t- t- tap deep down into those roots and, and find that uh, – find that out but uh, it'd be interesting to talk to her and see you know see how she made it to Shawnee Heights and what she thinks of uh, of the tennis scene here in the in the United States and so uh, those are some some tennis highlights from my area Chapman uh, is off Elisa Freeze runner-up in class 4a singles last year 
uh, she's off to a good start this year and, and somebody that really has hopes of, of winning a state title with Hayden Zainsley, Zuletta not, not eligible to play for Hayden this year. So uh, Alyssa Freeze from Chapman, um, you know, hasn't had a whole lot of tournaments to start the season, but, it, but is starting strong and will be somebody that'll be there to contend with at the end. And so um, those are some of my roundup from the area in North Central Kansas. And now we can, let's look ahead, look, back on the first two weeks of the high school football season, look ahead to the, the coming weeks ahead. And, you know, really not a whole lot of huge surprises. Uh, a lot of the top teams that we thought uh, would would be there are, have come out and performed well. Uh, you know, Manhattan, there was a lot of questions about Manhattan. How would they be after graduating so many key players off their offense from a year ago and a couple of quality defenders? Well, they've gone out and been very impressive. They, they handled Derby pretty solidly in the opener this year after beating Derby twice last year. Those, you know, those wins really were kind of the ones that set Manhattan on their way to, to winning a state title, you know, kind of instilled that confidence that, hey, we can beat Derby, we can beat anybody. And so uh, they go out and beat Derby to start the year and then, and then really beat up on Topeka High. So they're 2-0 and um, in, in 6A. We got them ranked number three in our rankings behind Gardner-Edgerton, which was runner-up in the state last year. And then Wichita Northwest, which opened its year with a really impressive victory over over Bishop Carroll and and Scott. I know you weren't out there to see it, but you know Northwest. It's always kind of been you know yeah they're going to throw the offense at you, but what's their defense going to do? I think that was the impressive thing from that opener. And I know you didn't get to make it out there, but that was the impressive thing from the opener uh, is the way they shut down a Carroll team that that returned some really quality offensive pieces from a year ago. Yeah, I, I think two weeks into the season, that's still the one result that I've seen down here in the Wichita area that just stops you in your tracks. And and it's not that Northwest hasn't been capable of playing good defense because they have had good defensive teams in the past. But but a lot of times, what's held them up is is the shootouts they get into. They haven't been able, you know, they're they're they would run into somebody who could just do it a little bit better uh, if they've got a defense, <clears throat> which it appears they do. They they allowed seven to to uh, Bishop Carroll and 13 to, to Wichita Heights last week. It looks like Steve Martin's got uh, both sides of the ball clicking. They're obviously their, their offense. They, they, they run that fast tempo running game and, and they've got sincere Thompson and, and kind of leading the way there with quarterback Jace Glasper. And, uh, you know, they're, they're piling up the, the, you know, the 500 yards per game like they always do. But, but yeah, that, that result against uh, Bishop Carroll, who returned some talent. I mean, Jackson King was a, is a good looking, you know, six foot three quarterback and, and Luke Holt using that out on the wide, uh, out at the wide out. They've got some pieces and, and that score really, uh, really was the one on opening night that, that caught me by surprise. And, and uh, it'll be interesting down the road to see, you know, how this holds up if Northwest can keep playing this kind of defense. Uh, you know, they've got a big one Friday night with Cape and Mount Carmel. Uh, it's, you know, probably one of the, the biggest remaining games in the City League season here already in week three, and, and Cape is off to a 2-0 and start. They've got Omari Elias, just outstanding running back that, uh, uh, you know, is committed to the Air Force Academy. And and uh, last year, Northwest played good defense against Cape and really really hand, handled that game well, 141-14. Uh, you know, Capen's got a lot of pieces back in addition to uh, Elias and then quarterback Dylan Hamilton's in his third year as a starter. So that that's really kind of one of the marquee matchups down here in, in the Wichita area, uh, you know, for week three. And But, uh, yeah, you're right on Northwest. It's, uh, 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 you know, with Man Manhattan obviously looks like it's it's found a way to reload and, and Northwest is, 
is playing better defense. And then you've got Gardner Edgerton, who's just a really, a really good power team. So 6A at the top is really interesting to me, and it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. On that note for uh, Gardner Edgerton, we know him as a power team, but if the first two weeks uh, holds up, uh, they might be able to throw this year. Uh, uh, Bravin Powell uh, has come out and had just uh, an amazing uh, first couple of weeks, particularly uh, what they did this last week. Uh, I know it, it, it's against the Shawnee Mission South team that maybe you, you don't chalk that up as as a big uh, win to be able to get that 58-0 to zero victory on the road against them. But it's how they did it, which is, there were only a handful of carries that went Dawson Kindler's and Dylan uh, Butasha's way. Uh, mostly it was Powell throws for 149 yards, four passing touchdowns on his five completions. Uh, and then uh, they went with the backups. They let uh, sophomore running back uh, Nahemia Snipe uh, do most of the running. Uh, he gets a, a, a score and then uh, – uh, Powell had a, a rushing touchdown as well, but uh, it was really uh, Powell at quarterback driving the, the action for them in that win. And uh, if they can, you know, sh- show something similar going up uh, against an Olathe West team this week, we might have to kind of change uh, the way that we're viewing uh, this Trailblazers team. Now, that doesn't mean they still won't roll up their sleeves and run you over. They definitely will. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they can keep up uh, this level of a passing offense that they did not show uh, on their way to the, the, the state championship game last year. Um, looking at a few of the other teams that, uh, you know, really impressed from, from my area, uh, St. Mary's Colgan. Uh, I, I went out and I watched them beat uh, Frontenick in the uh, opener. Um, uh, but maybe even more impressive, they come back uh, week two, they get a 47 to eight victory over Gerard, which was the one team that played uh, foil to them last year on a, a nine and two campaign. Those two losses were both to the Trojans uh, and they just roll them this week. So uh, it, identical to you know what we saw in the first week and what we saw pretty much all of last season for the Panthers. Uh, Tucker Harrell at quarterback being able to uh, get the job done uh, through the air and on the ground. Cooper uh, Simmons uh, racking up the yards. Uh, he goes over 100, 152 in, in this one with uh, three rushing touchdowns uh, for the second straight week. So he's already up to six. Uh, that team, uh, particularly when they can play defense the way they did against the Trojans, uh, that's definitely uh, you know a top contender uh, in, in 1A. And uh, you know, looking around, I think if there were any surprises. Uh, I think it's just that in 6A East, uh, there's only uh, a couple of undefeated teams left, uh, one being Gardner-Edgerton and the other one uh, being Olathe North, which that isn't a surprise. It's that there's nobody else. The uh, only other undefeateds from my area are the Lawrence and uh, Lawrence Free State teams that are uh, out there in the West bracket. Uh, but Olathe North gets the job done against uh, Shawnee Mission Northwest 35-23. to uh, they're playing really well with uh, junior quarterback Jamison Sarver uh, taking over uh, the, the role from, from 
uh, Jason uh, Skoma after he graduated. Uh, another one where uh, interesting to, to to see them get the job done, not just with uh, T.J. Porter uh, out of the backfield going for 126 yards and a couple touchdowns, but uh, with, with, with Sarver able to throw for 141 yards, uh, get a touchdown uh, through the air and one on the ground. Uh, it's looking a lot like that team that they had last year, uh, the defense. Uh, that's a good Shawnee Mission Northwest offense that they, they hold to 23 points. Uh, so they're looking good and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get a face shiny mission, uh, North here in week three, but then we know as they start getting later in the season, there's, uh, just that back and forth between Gardner Edgerton, Olathe North and, and Mill Valley, where those three end up facing off and, uh, you know, somebody has got to lose those games and those are three really good teams that'll be going at it. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned, uh, uh, Lawrence free state. Uh, that was one of the teams I saw. I've, I've actually been out to three games through two weeks so far. Uh, so I've seen six teams and, uh, I don't know if there was one more impressive, uh, than seeing senior quarterback Wesley Edison set the free state all time, uh, offensive yards record, uh, for them. Uh, he, he went off, uh, in, in week one, uh, against Olathe West, uh, 352 passing yards, 186 rushing yards, uh, four passing touchdowns, uh, a, a run on the ground there. Uh, he like they, they started and they were losing that game. And every time they needed a touchdown, he got it. Once they got the lead, he didn't take the foot off the gas. They end up finding a way to, to win that one 47, 29. And then, uh, when they come back the next week against the late, the Northwest, uh, he didn't need to, to throw nearly as much. They get a 26 to zero victory. He did most of the work on the ground. He went for uh, 142 yards, I think, and a couple touchdowns, uh, and, and knew not to press it, knew that they could win the game, uh, chewing up the clock and just getting out with a still a sizable victory uh so he's not one that's just going to be like i need to get my time out there but when he needs to throw he can and uh like just seeing him able to scramble in the backfield uh you get a little bit of patrick mahomes vibes when he's back there uh part of it's the haircut uh, but part of it is uh, he's just dancing around uh defensive alignment trying to trying to get a hand on him and even when he the play slightly misses he's still hitting receivers in the hands and it's not always being caught but he's getting the ball there uh his accuracy is uh so much better than it even was last year uh so definitely would be a fun one uh to watch as we uh keep going now to just do uh, some quicker hits uh baxter springs was a a a little bit of a surprise uh two and oh to start the year uh, not the hardest uh, competition through two weeks, but uh, they get the job done each time and do it in, in strong fashion. A 48-0 to zero victory over Uniontown in week two, uh, and that makes them only uh, one of two teams uh, in the the uh, CNC League to uh, be undefeated right now, right there with Colgan. Uh, so good work by them. Uh, looking over at the the Frontier League, uh, and another one that'll be very fun to to watch it kind of break down as the the top teams have to face each other over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, Eudora looks just as impressive as they did last year, two and zero to start. Uh, Lewisburg looks just as impressive, two and zero start. Uh, Spring Hill uh, is one that. Uh, 
got 2-0 and after having a down year last year, but uh, they're looking like they're about to get back into the, the thick of it in the Frontier League. So uh, that actually will be the, the matchup this week with Eudora taking on Spring Hill. Uh, so that'll be a, a fun one. Uh, one more uh, surprise, which again, don't expect them to finish the year with you know, like a nine and one record or something, you know, don't expect them to, to, to come out and, and, and just keep on winning, but, uh, didn't expect them to get started so fast. Casey Washington, uh, starting out two and O, uh, coming out and, and getting a 61 zero victory over, uh, JC Harmon this last week. Uh, so looking very impressive, but we'll get a better idea of what they're capable of, uh, when they host Bonner Springs this week, um, in the, uh, Meadowlark league, obviously, uh, Topeka Highland park, uh, two and O, uh, Atchison's two and O those are the, probably the, the top teams, uh, from the league, but, uh, I'll give Washington a little bit of time to, to prove that they can get themselves right up in there into that conversation with those two, uh, going, uh, down a little bit further, we got uh, Jayhawk Lynn uh, is a, a another team that got to a, a hot start at the start of last season. They're doing it again this year. Uh, they pitch a 46-0 shutout against uh, Southeast Cherokee. Uh, so they, as of right now, they're going to face Uniontown in, in week three and uh, have the chance to get themselves in a, a pretty good uh, position in the three rivers league standings uh, for, for that division. So uh, really, really good start. And then uh, Marmonton Valley uh, is another one uh, that in down in the, the eight man for three rivers league, uh, they end up beating Yates center 74 to zero. Uh, and that puts them uh, in first place, half a game lead, uh, over uh, Colony Crest and, and St. Paul, which it'll be a few weeks. Uh, I think maybe week six or seven is when uh, you'll have the, the matchup with Crest. And then uh, week eight, I think, is the, the matchup with St. Paul. So uh, those three will battle each other, but Marmonton Valley puts them in a pretty good position to, to, to try to win that and just looks like a pretty good competitor in, in eight-man this year. So uh, those are kind of the top standouts uh, in football from, from my area, uh, through two weeks and, uh, super excited to, to see what week three has in store for us. Uh, jumping in to talk about my area a little bit. Um, you know, I haven't seen a ton of surprises. I will say, um, Kinsley being two and O is kind of a big deal. Not cause, not cause people didn't think that they could make the jump this year, but it was, it was just kind of a now or never mentality for them. I mean, they have been competitive, um, the last few years under coach Corey Dunlap, but just kind of haven't made that next step. Um, they got a big shot in the arm week one against Victoria, uh, winning that game 20 to 14 on a, on a, de- a defensive touchdown there in the fourth quarter made the difference. Um, uh, you know they they returned they returned some serious firepower and Connor Chamberlain and uh, and Caden Caden as been as a dominant player on the line for them so uh, you know it's been kind of exciting to see them you know start start to develop as a contender we'll see they got a big game uh, a big rivalry game this week against Maxville but uh, I mean to me they're they're the only true true surprise um, you know I think. I think Hayes Hayes High gets a lot of credit 
Um, you know, they, they had a new-look team, particularly on defense. I think they only had one or two returning starters on, on defense. And um, obviously they've, they're have they off to, you know, quite the start. Uh, both their wins so far have come down to the final play. They beat Junction City in overtime. Uh, last week they run just an incredible game with Great Ben that came right down to the wire. Um, their star Malik running back through a ha- – Malik Both their uh, star running back through a halfback pass – uh, uh, to Johnny Cano uh, with 34 seconds left to tie it, and they kicked the extra point. Uh, Great Ben drove down for a, uh, about a 39-yard field goal attempt that was blocked. Uh, just a just a heck of a heck of a game between those those two teams. And I think I think Hazel, you know, they'll have another huge test. Brent mentioned against uh, you know Manhattan is is obviously off to a heck of a start after replacing all the firepower they had to off last year's six A championships squad. So um, you know that I think that kind of highlights the slate for me. But this this week in Western Kansas, I think we're going to find out a lot because I think it's a really really good s- slate of games. Uh, you know, going down to the six-player ranks, um, Shylin and Ashland, I think that has the potential to be a really, really good game. Uh, Ash- Ashland um, obviously made a huge statement week one with the win against reigning cha- uh, champs Cunningham. Uh, that was a rematch of last year's title game. Uh, then they then they beat Golden Plains last last week, 48-31. So, but I really think uh, I really think Shylin could could challenge them a little bit uh, they return quite a bit from last year logan mccarty he's one of the best players at the six player level pablo bermudez is a really solid player too so i'll be interested to see what happens in, in that game against ashland and obviously they they return their core with uh, landon mcphail kale harris brig brig grisby um and then i think the game i'm going out to uh wichita county at hoxie uh, you know, Wichita County obviously lost one of the best players in an eight-man last year in Eric Hermosillo, but they still have his brother, Chris Hermosillo, who's just a, just a load at, at running back and a, and a great linebacker there. You know, they're off to a promising start at 2-0, and and Hoxie, Hoxie uh, they're 2-0 and as well, and I could see them, I could see them giving giving the Indians some problem or giving Wichita County some problems. So, um, I'll be really excited to see that game. And then just kind of touching on, touching on a few other ones, uh, Hill city at Thunder Ridge. That's always a really intriguing matchup. Um, another six player game, Northern Valley at Ingalls, both those, I'm not sure if it's at Ingalls, but they're playing Ingalls, both those two, two teams, both those teams are two and Oh, uh, Russell, uh, obviously, they're they're another team that's kind of looking to take that next next step after kind of a, a kind of a, a solid year last year. They'll be they'll be looking to see if they can jump up and take that that next step against Smith Center, who uh, is who was coming off a loss last week to Norton, um, and then Atwood Rollins County, Sharon Springs. Uh, Quinter Quinter's off to a two and zero start. Uh, they'll they'll be playing against a good Dighton team. So I, I really I really think this week is a is a really intriguing slate of games in Western Kansas, and I'll I'll be intrigued to see how it it all plays out. Now you talk about surprise teams. I come back in the South Central Kansas area. And Eisenhower's off to a two and zero start for the first time in its in its program's history. This is their twelfth season of playing football. 
Uh, they play Valley Center, who's two and zero for the first time in in six, in six years. Uh, that'll that'll be a good and interesting Arc Valley Chisholm Trail Division two matchup here on Friday. Uh, Eisenhower went up and defeated Salina Central 44-28 last Friday, and and have gotten really good performances from from running back uh, senior running back Lucas Dickman and and quarterback Derek Morgan. Uh, their opener they they were they were held under 200 yards of total offense by Hutchinson, but found a way to win that game. Uh, I think a, a scoop and score uh, gave them a seven to three win there. So, so Eisenhower off to a, a, a rare great start and, and uh, trying to keep it going against uh, uh, Valley Center and its star running back to Montmucker, who's uh, just a just a load. Had seventeen hundred seventeen hundred yards rushing last season. Uh, those teams played a seven to six game last year. The Valley Center won, so I'd expect that one to be a pretty good one. Uh, Wichita Trinity's off to a two and zero start, and they really struggled in football, but. Uh, uh, they've got a good passing combination in, Har- in quarterback Harvey Zimmerman and, and wa- senior wide receiver Donald Collier. And, and they they started the season with wins over Sacred Heart and Chaparral. And uh, Zimmerman's averaging over 320 yards a game passing so far. And, and Collier's got almost 400 yards receiving so far. So they play Kingman, who was the 2A, uh, the 2A runner-up last season. Kingman lost a lot of pieces, but still has a lot of good athletes, particularly on defense. And, and so I think that'll be an interesting test for Trinity. And, and uh, then just kind of finally, I want to just give a shout out to Andale. You know, Andale started the season with the nation's longest winning streak at 51 games. All they've done the first two weeks, gone out and scored 75 and 64 uh, to, to stretch that winning streak to 53. And, and their next three opponents are a combined one and five. So, uh, it looks like Andale's going to keep rolling for for you know indefinitely, and they but they have they have an interesting October. They've got Wichita Collegiate and Cheney in back to back weeks, so uh, you know Andale might be be you know obviously they're going to be in crew, probably in cruise control for the next few weeks. But uh, once the calendar flips to October, uh, I think that'll be an interesting uh, set of tests for them. So uh, you know Dylan Smith has got a rolling out at Andale. You know they 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 lose. You know, outstanding pieces every year, but they, the so many of those kids get to play. Some of those younger underclassmen get to play a lot of varsity ball, uh, just because of the the nature of the, how their games go. And and uh, you know the Indians haven't missed a beat so far. So uh, that's kind of kind of what's going on uh, down here in South Central Kansas. One other matchup: Bishop Carroll and Derby. We know we talked about those two teams losing early test. Bishop Carroll to to Wichita Northwest and Derby to to Manhattan. Uh, They've still found a way to to, to stay in Brent's uh, Acacia covered rankings, and and but it's it's kind of hard to fathom that one of those teams is going to be one and two after Friday night because uh, you, you're just so used to to Carroll and Derby uh, kind of rolling deep into the season with 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 glistening records. So that'll be an interesting one. They both bounced back with big wins last week and, and built some momentum. So uh, that's been one of the better series down here. They, they think they've played every year now since 2015 or 16. Uh, Derby's won all but one of those matchups, but, but there's been a lot of really tight games. Last year was a, was a doozy. Uh, D- Derby won at 45, 38 on a long touchdown run by, by Dylan Edwards, who's doing, doing some pretty good things so far at the university of Colorado. So uh, that, that you know, with Wichita Northwest and Capen uh, playing, and and Bishop Carroll and Derby, there's there's a couple pretty good uh, uh, big school matchups here down in the, down here in the Wichita area in week three. Looking at my area to wrap this up, uh, you know, it's a lot of the a lot of the same old same old. Nemaw Central defending Class Two A state champions off to a great start already this year. You know, they lose the All State top eleven pick running back Cooper Hike. 
uh, younger brother has stepped in and kind of carried the mantle. Uh, he he was a kind of a role player for him last year, and, but I heard a lot of great things about him. He stepped in at quarterback for Nemaha, and, and they've they've got off to a good two and zero start. Really handled Holton in the season opener, and then cruised last week against Royal Valley. But uh, Nemaha Central looking great. Hayden, uh, you know, I have them pegged number two in Class Three A as a team that maybe can go out and challenge Andale. For a state title this year, they've been very good to start the season. Uh, handled Olpe 41 to seven, and then really put it to Silver Lake last week, 56 to seven. Finn Dunshe, their standout running back, off to a great start. He's having a, having a good season so far. And Clay Center has been very impressive to start the season. You know, last year one of the best seasons they've had in program history. They followed it up, opened the season by beating Wamigo, which went undefeated in the regular season last year. This year, Clay Center beats them in a defensive battle in the opener, and then blows out uh, blows out Chapman last week in a, in a big route. So Clay Center off to a good start. A couple teams that uh, that in Class Five A, Seaman and Shawnee Heights, their quarterbacks have just uh, been outstanding to start the season. Both of them are two and zero, and Seaman's Max Huston has twelve touchdown passes already in two games. He had five in the opener and seven last week. Now it came against Topeka West and Casey Turner, but still that's a, that's a pretty good way to start the season. And uh, on the opposing side, he'll, play, he'll face Shawnee Heights, which is 2-0 and this week. And they got Ricky Tooley, who is uh, their quarterback and is coming off a 300-yard passing game last week as they knocked off Lansing with a last-second field goal. So Seaman and Shawnee Heights looking to maybe challenge for the uh, – Challenge for the United Kansas Conference title with DeSoto this year, and and both of them are two and zero, and we'll really get a pretty good game. Uh, might be a lot of passing, might be a long game in that one, but we'll have that one uh, Friday night here in town in Topeka. Dipping down to some of the lower ranks, Southeast Saline graduated all kinds of uh, key players off its offense last year, but they haven't missed a beat. They're uh, they're two and zero, and really uh, really rolled past Beloit last week, and after beating Rock Creek in the opener. Uh, the, the NCAA has some really good teams this year. Uh, Southeast Saline's 2-0, Ellsworth is 2-0, and Minneapolis is 2-0. And Minneapolis and Southeast Saline face each other uh, this, this Friday night, so we'll see uh, exactly where Minneapolis is, is after uh, after they've won their first few games pretty handily, um, not allowing a point, I believe. Uh, they're one of three teams in the in class in the eleven man ranks that haven't allowed a point yet this year. The other two would be. Uh, Jefferson North and Baxter Springs. Um, and I'll get to see Jefferson North, Jefferson County North on Friday night at Arcacia Cover Game of the Week. They play Wabunsee, which is ranked number three in Class 1A. Wabunsee is 2-0, uh, coming off uh, a season that was the, equaled the best in school history last year. They were 9-2. and two. They beat Smith Center last year, really kind of turned some heads last year with what they did. They're 2-0, and oh, very impressive so far this season. They beat Troy in the opener, which was the only team to beat them last year in the regular season. And now they get uh, get Jefferson County North. Last year, this game was 8-8 game going into, going into the fourth quarter before Wilbunsey scored a couple touchdowns late to, to take a 24-8 victory. But I'm expecting a really good one over in Alma on Friday night, and that's where I'll be with our Keisha covered game of the week, watching both of those 2-0 teams. Um, Jackson Heights also 2-0, Centralia 2-0. 
up in the kind of north central area in, in class 1a in uh in class in eight player division one tanner heckle's been everything advertised as he transferred from inman over to linden linden's two and oh hasn't given up a point in, in the eight-man ranks and they're ranked number two right ahead of little river which really had to retool its offense after last year uh they've done that they they went out and won a shootout surprise surprise with canton galva to start the year and then one again last week, so they're two and zero. Burling game has looked very impressive at two and zero. Clifton Clyde is two and zero, and they'll be taking on Axtell, which is the reigning two two time reigning eight player Division two state champion. Uh, they're on a twenty eight game winning streak, which is second only to Andell in the state right now. But that's going to be a good game. Axtell Axtell really had to struggle in its opener to beat Caraparavell. Uh, it was tie game forty four forty four going into the final quarter before. Axel gets a pair of touchdowns in the fourth to win that one 60-44. So I think, uh, you know, Axel, this was a good game for about a half last year, uh, actually about a quarter and a half, and then Axel really kind of turned on the turned on the Rockets and, and ended up winning by a mercy rule. But uh, Clifton Clyde's got a lot of pieces back, Trent Long and some others there. Uh, very solid team. They, they've gotten off to a good start this year at 2-0. Uh, that should be a really good game. I saw the one last year. This year I decided to go to Wabunsee Jeff North instead. But that'll be a really good game, one to keep an eye on up in uh, Axtell on Friday night as as Axtell looks to keep its winning streak going in eight-player Division Two, And then Frankfurt off to a really good start in eight-player Division Two. They've moved into the Acacia Covered rankings this week at number four. Uh, they opened the season with a win over Chase County. Last year they lost that game by like 50 points. This year they, they won by 18. So a really nice flip for Frankfurt. And then they, they go out and really dominate Washington County last week. So Frankfurt uh, Frankfurt has a good season going. They'll get a good test because they get to take on Linden on Friday night. They're, I had a lot of really good games to choose from this week in my area with Clifton Clyde, Axtell, Linden, Frankfurt, Wabunsee, Jefferson County, Norris, Shawnee Heights, Seaman, all of, all those teams undefeated this week. Um, Washburn Rural's undefeated in 6A. Uh, they won a squeaker on a blocked extra point in the opener against Wichita East, and then they beat DeSoto last week for another quality win. So Washburn Rural off to a really good start uh, in Class 6A as well. And so those are some of the, the top highlights from from the north central Kansas area and looking ahead we got you know some great football action coming up the, this week uh, some really good games like I said on Minneapolis Southeast Saline's another good one on the, on the slate this week Osage City Olpe is a good one this week Osage City you know lost Landon Boss who did everything for that program the last four years uh, nearly 10,000 yards of total offense between rushing and passing He's graduated, but Kaysen Parsons, a sophomore, has stepped in and and uh, really taken over in that spot at quarterback and, and played well. I did a little feature on Kaysen this week uh, in just in, in his good start and leading Osage City out to a 2-0 and start. And so those are some highlights from the North Central Kansas area. And that should wrap up about everything that's gone on in the first couple of weeks. Obviously, so much more has gone on. So many great accomplishments across the state. And we'll be back in two weeks to, to highlight what's taking place over these next couple of weeks as we start to close in. Really get to close in next, next uh, time we talk to you. Close in on the... Uh, start to get ready for state golf and state tennis which will be just around the just around the corner so we'll we'll talk a little bit about all those sports next week when we come back to you so for mac moore ricky peterson and scott pass this is brent maycock saying thanks for tuning in to the keisha covered podcast brought to you by capital federal